0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Looking at QYLD, and I believe this is the NASDAQ Covered Call ETF. So
0: I'm fairly new at uh, investing. I'm looking at adding this to my portfolio. Yeah, I feel like it's too good to be true. And provides unbiased answers.
1: I like a cover call strategy in general. Uh, you know, we execute that on behalf of our clients.
0: Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting.
1: I've been looking at
2: some real estate REITs. It seems to be one of a few areas I haven't seen any real
3: recovery yet.
0: Your participation makes it unique.
3: 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent Thinking
1: Shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 29th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Hope you caught my conversation with uh, on, on Podbean's live stream on Saturday. If you didn't, you can go check that out on the Podbean app. But uh, I thought it was a, a fairly good conversation, and uh, I'll kind of distill my thoughts here in a second. But I want to kind of set up the show, and as always, I try to impart my uh, my philosophy and my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success, meaning... No matter what we talk about on today's show, I'm going to do my best to present it all without bias and give you the facts as I see them, whether I'm talking about a specific stock, sector, asset class, the market today, going, going forward. It's all based on uh, a combination of data, experience, uh, and perspective that you probably aren't going to hear. Right? I'm not Kramer. I'm not banging horns and buttons, and uh, I'm here to entertain a bit, but I'm really more here to educate. Kramer's there to entertain. CNBC is there to entertain. They just want more eyeballs. They want more ad dollars. It's not really our main goal here. Our main goal is to, to help you, and if you can't do it yourself, you know, we do that for clients as well, but you can do it yourself and we'd love to help you in that endeavor. So I'm Justin Klein, and we encourage you to contact us us with your finance and investment questions. You get to shape the show to your liking. In fact, you can call and interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime listener line voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. So let's get right to our first caller question now. Let's go to, actually, we're going to go to Hogan in Georgia, looking at Q... YLD and I believe this is the Nasdaq covered call ETF.
0: Yes sir, that's, that's it. So I'm fairly new at uh, investing. I'm looking at adding this to my portfolio. I already have two dividend stocks but I've been looking at this, uh, someone's someone's uh, shown me this uh, uh, this stock and I feel like it's too good to be true. Uh, just—I don't know. There's something wrong with it. I feel I just—I just don't know what it is. And I was wondering if it would be a good idea to, you know, go forward with this investment.
1: <clears throat> well, I like a covered call strategy in general. Uh, you know, we execute that on behalf of our clients. It's called our Equity Income Plus. Um, but we have an overlay of looking at the market as a whole, economy as a whole, inflation and growth, and being able to utilize that data and look at history of what sectors and areas of the market to be overweight and underweight. And that, that gives us our edge. And that's very important in, in any strategy, but in a cover call strategy even more so. Because what you're doing, do you understand what a cover call strategy is Exactly.
0: Uh, um could you
1: explain it to me? Sure. Uh now what I try to you uh what I try to use as an analogy for for everybody is is real estate because most people um have invested in it or they, they understand it's very straightforward. So let's say, Hogan, that you wanted to buy an investment property for a hundred thousand dollars and you think in a year it's gonna be worth one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. But I come to you and I say I want to I think it's going to be worth $150,000 in a year. I'm going to give you $10,000 for the right to buy that property from you in a year for $120,000. And you're going to say, okay, because you only think it's going to one twenty dollars anyway. And if I'm right, in fact, you're going to sell it for one twenty, dollars And effectively, you're going to sell it for actually one hundred thirty dollars because you're going to keep that $10,000. Now, I'm going to profit $30,000 on that if I'm right out of my ten. So my return is very high. So it's a very leveraged bet on a particular asset. Now, let's say we're both wrong and the price of that property goes nowhere for a year. Well, you could keep your 10,000 along with your rental income you got and you were better off by selling me the right to buy that property from you. Now, let's say we're both really wrong goes to 80,000. And instead of losing 20,000, you've only lost 10,000. Okay? So, that is a cover call strategy. There's like a little hedge on the downside. It can boost your return on the upside, but it also could limit your return on the up- upside depending on how much of upside there is. So, that's what this strategy is doing it's buying the NASDAQ 100, the 100 names in the queues, uh, and it's writing calls on those positions. Now, how far are the money in the money, I'm not sure, but uh, that's basically what they're doing. And so, uh, what the, the big Problem, I won't say problem, but what is the potential danger of this is that it's going to lull you into a false sense of security because the NASDAQ in 2000, for example, went from went down 75%. And yeah, you might get a little hedge. You're going to get that nice 10 11% dividend yield, but the underlying can go down much more than that. Now, is this lower risk than just holding the queues outright? Sure, it is. Um, and I actually would prefer this than owning the Qs outright in this environment. But the Qs are not where I'm focusing. I would focus my investment dollars at this point when inflation's rising, interest rates are rising, uh, NASDAQ is struggling compared to some of the other indexes. So if you want to have your tech exposure, your NASDAQ exposure in something like this, not a bad idea, but definitely wouldn't be all I own. Uh, it would be part of a broader portfolio, and I would limit it in this environment where the Nasdaq's probably going to underperform as long as inflation goes up and the dollar goes down. Make sense, Hogan? Makes sense. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call. That was QYLD, the Global X NASDAQ 100 call, covered call ETF. Thanks for the call. Now, why am I doing this podcast? Well, I know that you need help dealing with the current market's environment that is rotating, is shifting into a fiscally-dominated economic world to from a monetary-dominated economic world. And that means the investment landscape is now different as well and changing. You've seen that. So I'm ready to take your calls on our anytime listener line at 888-989-CHART, and I'd love to help you in any way possible. Now, how did the market do today? It was a a modest down day. We had that uh, blow up with the hedge funds uh, with Nomura, and it's kind of complex. But uh, you saw some big uh, telecom, or not telecom, I guess they would be... Uh, in the media media space, the Viacom to the world, they they had big blowups uh, late last week because there was forced liquidation, and you can see what happens when there's forced, forced liquidation on specific stocks. And um, so today was a modest down day; S and P only down three points, so n- not much. Russell was down sixty two points, so about that was actually a pretty rough day, down about three uh, percent on the Russell. So. That was really where the weakness was centered. The Nasdaq that was down about 80 points, a little less than than one percent. So, a uh, decent down day overall to start the week, and we continue to kind of grind lower. And that's kind of what I'm expecting for this week. Uh, we have Friday off, FYI. The market is closed for Good Friday. I just I just learned that. I didn't even realize that until a few minutes before the show. So, um, you know, it's going to be a shortened week. And as the interest rates continue to grind higher, you saw that today, the 10-year hit 1.72, up six basis points. That was second or third highest close of the year. Uh, and it looks like we're ready to make that next leg up. To about the 18, 185 level, something like that on the 10 year. And we'll see how the market reacts to that as we continue to grind higher in a more inflationary environment. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We are now almost through the first quarter, just two more trading days left. With all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that during periods of market uncertainty, the task of building a financial future that you're proud of must never backslide. We have to stay focused. And your goal of financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart
0: Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and InvestTalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour.
1: Let's head up to Toronto, Canada and talk with Carlos. Looking at FLV. Is this the American Century Large Cap Value ETF? Yeah,
2: FLGB, F as in Frank, L as I live in London. Mm-hmm. GB as in Great Britain.
1: What was the last one? Excuse me. Say it again.
2: Uh, GB, Great Britain.
1: Oh, okay. I felt GB. Oh, yeah. Great Britain. Okay. I see. I GB. Got it. Okay. So you're looking to gain exposure to the UK?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I see. I mean, uh, I think the business concerns are already in, in the price and. Uh, uh, I mean, they seem to have handled COVID much better than uh, EU or, or North America. So, and and it's qu- quite cheap compared to other uh, uh, developed economies. It's like 1.7 times say uh, sales last year.
1: Yep. yeah. I, I actually would give this one a thumbs up. Uh, I think that Brexit has shaken a lot of people out of the UK and worried about the fallout from Brexit. But at the end of the day. Uh, It's going to be about the strength of the companies that are in this particular ETF. And the top holdings include Unilever, AstraZeneca, HSBC, Diageo, GlaxoSmithKline, British American Tobacco, Rio Tinto, BP, and Royal Dutch Shell. Those are the top 10 holdings. And so I, I like this. Most of those names I would consider undervalued. And I'm, having foreign exposure is definitely a good thing in this environment. And so I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Uh, now, wh- the way we would do it is gain exposure to our favorite of, say, uh, those top 10s or some of the other holdings. Um, but if you don't want to do kind of the legwork and the back work of finding the best in, the, in this space and you want this broad diversification, this is a pretty good way to gain that exposure. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Thanks for the call, Carlos. Let's head out to Palm Springs, a little bit east of me here. Let's talk with Sergio, looking at C-A-N-G, which looks to be Kango Inc. This is a Chinese company providing automotive transactions uh, services. So is this uh, kind of like the Carvana of China?
2: I believe so, yeah. Okay. And... Um a couple of buddies when we got into it, we were pretty happy when um they announced that
3: dividend uh ninety nine ninety eight uh cent share dividend. I was like heck, yeah, uh, okay. I'm pretty excited in time, and I was just okay. thinking what, what did you think about it
2: you know as far as the company they' they are talking about uh, expanding past
3: china as well
1: now is this ninety eight cents a share uh quarterly, or is that was that more of a one time thing <laughs>
2: It, it was more of a
1: one-time thing, like a bonus. I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it is only uh, $8.51 stock. So quarterly, obviously, that would be a pretty big uh, dividend. But they still do pay a 2.7% dividend, which, which is nice. I, I, you know, out of Chinese company, I like to see that because the numbers, in my, in my mind, when I'm looking at a Chinese company, I always take them with a big grain of salt. But when they're actually paying me, uh, with money, that, that definitely helps their case that maybe their numbers are mostly real. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still China. So you need to be a little bit cautious. So technicals are fine. It's pulled back to some support at these levels. So uh, I'm fine with the chart. Uh, but once again, anything in the China region, you don't want to overexpose your portfolio because, I mean, just look what happened recently with uh, GSX, which is, you know, basically a fraud. <laughs> so uh, be careful with it to make sure you're not overexposed. Now we're heading to a break. My focus point today concerns the question, if you had put $1,000 in Bitcoin one year ago, what might that investment be worth today? So I'm going to talk about that coming up and just cover the space in general. Phone lines are open at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
0: For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations! You've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line, 888 99 Chart.
1: Now, my focus point today concerns the question: If you put thousand dollars in Bitcoin one year ago, what might that investment be worth today? Well, I think you know the answer to that uh, a lot more. Let's just say that. Now, uh, over the last year, the uh, Bitcoin has risen from let's see what was the bottom about fifty eight hundred at that time, and now you're somewhere around fifty eight thousand. So. $1,000, $1,000, it'd be $10,000. And there's a lot of people chasing uh, that return and, and, and the story around Bitcoin. Uh, but I will say, here I want to give you an update on kind of my evolving thinking. And, and this is important to have a, a perspective that can evolve. So many people get stuck in one camp or another. And that becomes a problem because you get too dogmatic about being right or being wrong. And part of being successful in this business is being able to admit that you're wrong or that the facts have changed and your viewpoint has thus changed. And I'll give you a few things that have changed in my mind over the past five plus years looking at and studying that market. And what has it? Well... First thing that has changed is institutions are buying. They're getting in. Uh, There are many that are viewing Bitcoin as a better store of value than the US dollar, and therefore their cash is going into it. Uh, And big players, big players that have heft within the government and, and lobbyists within the government, they have gotten into it. And so as more and more institutions adopt it, it becomes harder and harder for. The government to outlaw. But that brings me to the other side. And that is that the government will likely exert some force here at some point. Why? Because they're not going to give the power of printing money, the power of being able to spend however they want, pretty much, they're not going to give up that power easily and just because some, somebody went out and developed a different technology. It's not how governments have worked ever. It's one of the biggest tools that they have is the ability to print money. And so there's likely still going to be some crackdown on it, but maybe not complete outlawing of it in my mind. Now Ray Dalio says they'll outlaw it, and Ray Dalio is a smart guy. He's pretty—he's pretty, he's pretty uh, well versed, and he's been investing longer than myself. So maybe he's right. But one thing I don't want people to do, and I'm seeing this a lot, is I—we have clients that are want to gain exposure, and history has told me that when clients kind of come out of the woodwork, who you haven't heard from in a long time and they suddenly want access to a particular asset class, and they're clamoring to get in, well, they've just bought the hype. And the hype is at a fervor. And I would say that's where we're at today. Does that not mean Bitcoin can't go higher? It can't. Could it hit $100,000 this year? Sure. But I think it's more likely that there's a setback later in the year as governments push back, try to... Maintain control of the currencies and put restrictions. Remember, while Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies exist in the ether, governments exist in the real world. Their power exists in the real world. And for anyone that thinks that they suddenly will just not exert their power, I just think they're crazy. But understand that the fervor is high and try not to get too hyped up about it. Let's go to Sayed in New Jersey. Let's talk about inflation.
2: Yes. Um, hi, hi,
3: Justin. How's it going? Good, good. Hi. Yes. Um, so, uh, real quick, um, I have some cash lined up, you know, um, in bank uh, that I would like to, you know, uh, make it to work for me. Now, um, I do know that with inflation on the rise, there's a, there's a chance in the next eight or two uh, i might lose some value there but with the stock market being choppy and um uh you know uh what are what are my options I, I was thinking probably value stocks um or you know particularly dividend paying stocks but um i would like to have your take on it um the only yeah. other note is that i would need that money in uh Maybe less than a couple of years, uh, but uh, okay. until then, I, I wanted to uh, you know to be invested somewhere. Uh,
1: well, that last part is very important. If you're if you have a time horizon of under two years, unfortunately, you don't have a lot of options. Uh, it's going to need to be relatively conservative. You're not going to earn very much money on it. You're probably not going to keep up with inflation, and that's the trade-off between liquidity and safety and longer-term growth. Longer-term, if I'm talking five, seven, ten plus years. I'm looking at equities, especially hard assets, the value side of the market, um, commodities of some kind, and I think those are going to do better over the next decade, but you're talking about two years. That's a very short time horizon, so unfortunately, you're going to have to accept a, a low rate on uh, FDIC money market account, and that's where I'd put it, because you need that money soon. Thanks for the call. the next invest talk the story, Intel will spend $20 billion to build two new manufacturing plants. Steve will get to that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions live at 8899 Chart.
3: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.
0: The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Carlin talk
2: 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Um, I've got a question. I see you guys use a lot of the uh, moving average to see if the stock is undervalued or overvalued. So, Can you tell me which is the best one to use? Is it the 50 or 100 or 200 moving average? And what do you use? Is it the simple or the exponential moving average? Thanks a lot for your help.
1: Goodbye. Well, first, we never use a moving average to determine undervalued or overvalued. Now could determine support and resistance. That's very different than undervalued or overvalued. When you're looking at valuation, you're you're saying is the is it trading at a level that is above or below its intrinsic value kind of longer term. Now short term, remember the market is a voting mechanism. Long term, it's a weighing mechanism. So using technicals, that's more of the voting side. Using fundamentals and valuation, that's on the weighing side. In the long term, the, it should move towards the, the true value. Now, which moving average to use? First off, we always use simple moving averages. Second off, it depends on the stock. Some stocks tend to find their support at the 50-day, some more at the 100-day. The 100 is kind of the more common, strongest moving average. But for some very trendy stocks, the 50-day can be a very strong moving average. So you really have to look at the chart to determine whether or not this is uh, a good support level or not based on the history of it. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Noel in Napa looking at SPKE Spark Energy. You there, Noel? There 50 days. Noel, can you hear me? I don't think Noel can hear me. All right, I guess we're going to move on since uh, Noel, give us a call back. Oh, oh, there you go. Noel, you there? Hello.
0: Yeah. Sorry, uh, Justin. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, no yeah, I'm interested in uh, Spark Energy. S P K E. Okay. Uh, is is it uh, going to act kind of like a utility or? Uh,
1: or am I just buying the? Uh, do you think I'm just buying the uh, dividend, or is there some upside that you see for that as well? Yeah, you you are buying the the upside. I mean, the the dividend, you know, that's something that is based on the, their business. It's it's up and down, uh, and their dividend tends to be uh, has been stable now for the past five years, six years. And their business hasn't been really growing that much. They had a big spike up in 2018, and now you've kind of leveled out back to 2016 levels. So that dividend uh, looks to be sustainable, at least in the near term. They have a fairly good balance sheet, so they don't have a lot of debt or anything like that. It's going to prevent them uh, from paying that dividend. Enterprise value to revenue is only uh, less than one, which is pretty cheap. Uh, but their business is not a pure utility company. They have two segments, retail natural gas and uh, retail le- electricity. Um, and that's primary their uh, their business. Um, but this is a business that's all up and down, like I said. It, it has its good years. it's had its bad years. Um, so this is not a safe dividend play. Let's just say that. It's a risky dividend play. I like the company. I think they have uh, good long-term profitability and consistent cash flows, but it's not a grower. Unless they can continue to grow or start to grow, I think that dividend is going to remain static and could get cut if they don't start producing uh, more cash flow and more earnings. So it's, it's a high risk. Not the highest risk, but it's a high risk dividend play. Thanks for the call, Noel. Now we've got a good pace going, so no reason to slow down. Now, here comes another invest talk caller question from Missouri. Hey, uh,
2: I'm a first time listener, O'Shea, calling from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and I just had a question. I was recently looking into higher dividend stocks, and I ran across one, NLY ticker, and I bought it about uh, a year ago. It's doing pretty well, pays a nice dividend, and you know I've seen there at a. Um, they're at an uptrend right now, and I was just wondering how you feel about it, if I should uh, get some more. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good one.
1: This is Annalie Mortgage, and I'll start off with dividend investing, because there's a lot of people that are after those dividends, and they feel like that's a, a very straightforward way to invest. And It is to some degree, but not all dividends are created equal, and you have to look at the underlying source of those dividends. Just because they have been paying the dividend in the recent past doesn't mean they're going to continue to pay that dividend in the recent future. For example, Annaly was paying $2.44 per share in 2011. In 2012, they cut it to $2.05. In 2013, they cut it to $1.50. In 2014, they cut it to $1.20. And for about five years until 2009-19, they held it right there at a dollar twenty. Now it's down to a five in 2019, and then recently down to ninety-one cents a share. And the reason is because they can't pay that dividend without taking on more debt or issuing more shares. The Number of shares outstanding has gone from 875 million in 2011 to 1.4 billion, so nearly double the number of shares outstanding over the last, call it 10 years. So you're diluting shareholders, adding more debt. And so this is, once again, another high-risk dividend play. And it goes through bouts of major volatility. And you can see that in the past. If you look at just a, a monthly chart, 2008, this peaked out at $20 a share and recently hit a low of $4. And yeah, it's in an uptrend now. And as the yield curve steepens, it'll probably continue to do fairly well. But it's kind of like a bank. But it's a very focused bank on buying and owning mortgage assets. And there's a lot of these mortgage REITs out there paying high dividend dividends. And you're probably after that current 10% dividend yield. But it's more about the sustainability of that dividend. And unless you're willing and able to take the level of risk and know that that dividend yield likely will drop because longer term, they can't afford it. But maybe it drops only to nine or eight and you're good enough with that. But that's really up to you. But remember, dividend investing, don't get confused dividend investing with good investing. It's about finding good companies who have sustainable, strong businesses. Let's go for four in a row. This caller question came in earlier on eight and eight ninety nine chart. Justin, Steve.
2: First off, thank you so much for everything you guys do. Love the show. You guys are helping so many people, including myself. I'm calling with one question today. I've been looking at some real estate REITs. It seems to be one of a few areas I haven't seen any real recovery yet. Um, Specifically, I'm looking at R-E-M-L-I-V-R-M-I-T-T and A-H-T. Those four all have very similar charts in a similar domain. And before I throw the whole kitchen sink at it, I'm really interested and curious in your guys' feedback on this. Much appreciated. Hear from you soon. Bye.
1: Well, first off, the REML is the Credit Suisse Double Leverage Mortgage rate. So this, I just talked about mortgage rates, and this is putting double leverage on that. So you're getting a huge yield, but a lot of risk as well. And it's going to go uh, both ways. So you don't want to be buying these leveraged anything and holding them for a long period of time. So I definitely would not do REML. I don't remember the other ones, but let me just give you my sense of the the REIT sector as a whole. There are a lot of great REITs out there. and uh, But there are a lot of poorly run REITs or very high risk REITs and mortgage REITs are typically the the highest risk REITs that are out there. In this environment, you have different types of REITs that are having different economic tailwinds and headwinds. For example, industrial REITs. Because of the shutdowns and more people shopping online, well, warehousing is getting a lot more expensive. And industrial properties are going up in value and their rents are very consistent and so their businesses is doing are, their businesses are doing well because their assets are yielding very strong yields. Now there are retail REITs that own strip malls and maybe office buildings and those are, are struggling more. And so really the REIT sector you can't be painted with one brush. All of the the REITs have their different strengths and weaknesses uh, and attractiveness. And don't go chasing just the highest yield. If it has a high yield, it probably means that the underlying business condition is struggling. And if that persists, that yield will get cut. And that's what the market is pricing in. So focus, once again, on the underlying business and the assets that those REITs own, not the yield. Don't be chasing yield. Just like everything out there in the marketplace. If it has a high yield, you are probably taking high risk with it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't take it. Does not mean you get you, you just throw those out the window. No. It just means you have to go in with your eyes wide open. Do your research. Understand the risks. Are the problems with the business going to resolve themselves over the medium term? For example... You could say that the market is too pessimistic on the prospects for office rents because more people are going to go back to work in offices than the market is pricing in. And that could be your thesis. And you could capture higher than average returns and yields from those particular type of REITs that have exposure in that space if your thesis plays out. But you have to have a thesis. You have to understand how your view is different than the overall market. Okay, so don't paint REITs with one broad brush. They all are very different. Now we're almost through with the first quarter. I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley. Our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success there, just like we do on InvestTalk. So how do we implement this? Well, we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air. And we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. And we take advantage of our offer to provide a free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or Jive meeting if you'd like. You can send us a message through investtalk.com, or you can call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. After speaking with one of us for just a few minutes, you'll begin to see how myself and Steve, we can make a difference in your overall plan and your strategy. There's no obligation. We just love to talk with you, and we can help, and we love to help. Now, you've got questions, and InvestTalk has answers. Let's pivot now to Texas for an oil sector question.
2: Hey, guys. It's Joe in Lake Jackson, Texas love the show. I think it's the most informative financial show out there. I have a question for you guys regarding ExxonMobil XOM. I'm holding too much of it. I I started putting my portfolio together before I really understood the uh, concept of a diverse portfolio. So I need to sell some of it. My average buy-in price is 67 and I've been holding it since it's been down so much. I didn't want to take a big loss. It's going up now, and I think it's going to uh, get to 67 before long, and I need to sell about 20% of it. So my question is, when it gets past my purchase price, do I sell that 20%? Do you guys think it's going to go up considerably past $67? Should I hold on to it? Uh, Should I sell off my 20%, maybe 5% at a time as it goes up? Just curious what your strategy would be to sell off some of the stock and, and diversify my portfolio a little bit more. Thanks again for the show, guys. Bye.
1: Well, the first mistake would be to, oh, just try to get your money back, get back to even. Well, I guess your first mistake was having too much of, of Exxon or any one company in your portfolio. So that, and you, But you know that. Second mistake is getting too tied to that anchor price of, oh, I need to get back to $67. Now, I do think it is worth more. Our value is closer to $75, so not a whole lot more than $67. And you're going to get a nice, what is it yielding right now? I know it's gone up. So 6% forward-looking dividend yield while you wait for it to get back to 67 which I do think it will. But I think we also are entering a more choppy period. The easy money in the oil patch, in my mind, uh, is behind us, going from zero in a price for West Texas Intermediate back in, was it April or May, to somewhere in the 60s, low 60s recently. And this will be a more choppy period. You're starting to see that now. So the slog from 57 to, say, 67 will probably be a lot slower. But you're going to collect a dividend on the way. Uh, I'm not sure what percentage of our overall portfolio Exxon is, how much other exposure you have in the space as well. I think that is important for, for me to give you some advice on how much you should trim, how quickly you should trim. But just know that you're entering... A period that's likely to need some consolidation. It's up against resistance, uh, but also don't get anchored to that price. Don't just wait. Oh, it's got to get back to sixty-seven. I know it's hard from a psychological standpoint, but that's just simply poor portfolio management if you are waiting for that. So that's my take, and hopefully it does get back to its full value, which is in the seventies. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to go quickly over uh, my live stream on Saturday. And I'll give you a quick synopsis. I had two guests on. One was Peter Schiff. Uh, he's a big gold bug. He's kind of a deflationist, which is kind of odd. And uh, maybe after the break, I'll, I'll, I'll speak on this a little bit more. And the other was, uh, I believe his name was Rick. I forget his last name. But he was, he's a Bogle guy meaning he's all about indexing. He's as an RAA, I believe, and he just puts people in in indexes. Uh, And I kind of grill both of them on both sides for indexing and the structural problems it's creating. Uh, And Peter on, you know, the flaws of of his thinking. Uh, And so after the break, I'm going to get to my take uh, because I like to have a balanced view, and that's what I try to do. And hopefully I can distill it for you. After this final break, so give me a call. I'm ready to take your questions now at eight 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 ninety nine sharp.
0: The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Now before the break, I talked a little bit about my pod being live stream on Saturday, and I interviewed Rick Ferry as well as Peter Schiff, and I know you've seen Peter probably on a lot of the big channels, Bloomberg, CNBC, before, and... Remember, I know that they're kind of both are there to talk their own book and and rick he 's a an advisor all he does is index his clients and and that's that 's what he 's trying to do is sell people on just strictly indexing and uh, I kind of pushed him on the structural issues that that is creating by putting all the money that's going into index funds well if for example he likes vti the vanguard total market index and the top holding is apple microsoft amazon those are the top three and so as more money goes into the indexes then more money just is allocated towards those big names and they're able to pay their employees through stock options and uh lobby the government and and really just kind of keep themselves themselves bigger uh, and it also creates structural issues with uh, the price mechanism. And I, I basically said there's a saying that long ter- short-term, the market is a voting mechanism. Long-term, it's a weighing mechanism. But indexing is simply voting without any consideration for value. And even J.P. Morgan quantified that 90% of pre-financial crisis volume in the markets were value based meaning p- discretionary money going into companies based on their valuation post financial crisis it's 90% the other way 90% of the volume is towards indexing and he couldn't really have an answer he's just saying you cannot perform by indexing which does go through cycles and so he didn't really have a good answer for that or for the question when i asked about what about retirees who can't just put all their money in stocks and they want the money in bonds or something a little safer and as you move away from large cap equities into mid, small, foreign, bond funds, et cetera, indexing works far less well. And he didn't really have an answer for that as well. But same with Peter Schiff. I pushed him on, you know, gold. I know you like gold over Bitcoin, value over growth. But what about the true value that the Amazons and, and Microsofts and, and uh and apples of the world have created. And, and, and he kind of started to go on off a tangent. He likes to go off on tangents on uh, on Bitcoin and didn't really answer that question either. So uh, it was a pretty good conversation and a nice balanced view, at least in my mind, at least I try to make it. So, uh, but both were, were pushing their books, but it was, a, it was a good interview. You should go check it out. Now, if I move fast, I think I can squeeze in one more question from 88899chart.
2: Hey, Steven, Justin. My name is Aiden. I'm calling from San Diego. Looking at Eldorado Gold Corporation, EGO. I think it's a good entry point to get in. I'm looking to buy some shares. Wanted to see what you guys think. Thanks so much. I love the show.
1: All right, looking at El Dorado Gold. And this is one of the largest mining companies in the world, gold mining. They have, let's see... Uh, Gold and some base metals. They have projects in Turkey, Canada, Greece, Romania, and Brazil. And if you look at their earnings expected this year, $0.85, $0.95 a share next year, trading at $10.77. Revenues and growth continue to go up as the price of gold and silver go up. And this has pulled back pretty nicely and had a nice controlled pullback. And I agree. The, The entire mining space in general is at a fairly good buy point and what's interesting today was GDX was up nine cents whereas gold was down and typically history says that the equities the gold equities start to sniff out a bottom in the gold price before actually gold moves so GLD was down a dollar ninety two a little over one percent today but the GDX was up which is very very interesting in a market that was down right the broad market was down and so I'm starting to smell smell a rat here that uh, the, the miners are indicating that this bottom in gold might be very, very close. And if we can see a higher high made in GDX, which is somewhere around the 34 and change level, 34.50 or so, and now we're at 32.86, that would be the first higher high and higher low since the peak back in August. And that is, to me, a, a sign, that would be a sign, that, hey, the bottom may be in for gold. So is um, a good one. It's one of the largest. They have a fairly low-cost basis, uh, and so I like Eldorado. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Lock program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday, shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can get all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as Podme. And you can always check it out live stream on investtalk.com. Be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night.